many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and, indivi- and individually, excuse me, members of one another. Let me read that last verse, verse 5 again. So we being many are one body in Christ. We being many are one. 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 I want to say that about 50,000 times. Amen. We're many, but we're one. Amen. We're many, but we're one. Amen. We are many, but we are one. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us this morning. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, we're all different, so you may be different from me, but I have to watch myself sometimes because, you know, when I read the Scriptures, um, especially if it's a corrective word, um, I'll tend to evaluate my own life in light of that Scripture. But if I'm not careful, I'll evaluate it from the perspective of how does this not apply to me? In other words, how am I okay, I guess, where the standard of this Scripture is concerned? How am I living up to? How am I, you know, uh, progressing in light of the standard that this particular passage is putting forth? Now, I'm not saying that's wrong, but if that's all we do, then it would be at least incomplete. Because instead of reading the Scriptures from the perspective of how well am I doing, we should also read the Scriptures from how can I improve or how can I do better? And how does this apply to me um, even in a deeper way. So when he, for instance, talks about, I say through the grace given to me, verse 3, to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, right? So we look at this and and we kind of go something like this. Well, you know, certainly I could be more humble, but, you know, I don't think more highly of myself than I should. And, and, And a lot of people, maybe you would evaluate this passage and you would think, you know, really, I could probably think a little higher of myself than I actually do, a little harder on myself at times, you know, so forth and so on. But... But what he's talking about here is something more than just you as an individual. And the context of this is how you connect with the other members in the body of Christ. And the context, again, is, are you ready for this? Someone who thinks more highly of themselves than they ought to think is someone who thinks they don't need other members in the body of Christ. So he's not telling you to think lowly of yourself. That's what a lot of people conclude here. They say, well, you know, we should think, we should think that we're you know, really no good and, and worthless and unworthy. That's not what he's saying. He's telling you to think highly of yourself, just not more highly than you should. And to think more highly than you should would to think that you are an island unto yourself, that you somehow can do what God's put you on this earth to do without the other members in the body of Christ. And that simply is not the case. Now, there's another passage, and I apologize, there's some issue between the computer and what have you this morning, so we don't have the overheads as we normally do. But still, please follow along. If you don't have your Bible, look on with your neighbor. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And so, if we take these two passages from Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, we see two things that are very, very important that you are an individual member of the body of Christ. Now you are. Amen. This is not something that you have to earn or, or, you know, like put in enough years of service to somehow be given the position. But if you're a born-again member, if you're a born-again person, you are now a member of the body of Christ. Even if you don't feel like it, even if it doesn't seem like it, 
even if you feel more separated from than a part of, still you are the body of Christ. Members individually and members of one another. Members of individually, members of one another. Now, let's go back. If you turned, I apologize. We're going to camp out here in Romans 12 for a little while. In Romans 12, he says, let's read it again, verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Function. Now, if you underline things in your Bible or mark things, what have you, I'm going to ask you to underline, circle, put a lightning bolt beside that word function, okay? Because we're going to be using that word function a good bit in the days ahead. When we're talking about something functioning, we're talking about it working, right? In other words, if your car does not function, then that means your car either won't crank or won't go into gear. Somehow, in other words, it will not do for you what it was designed or purchased to do for you. So there's a lot that we're learning. There's a lot that the Holy Spirit is saying to us that we need to learn, that we, that we need to embrace. But listen to me, please, very carefully. All of these things are not an end to themselves but they are an end to a more important truth or to something that is more important for us um, setting the stage, preparing us for. And it is functionality. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is functionality. In other words, the idea behind us all becoming the body of Christ is so that the body of Christ can then function in the earth as God created and intended for the body of Christ to function on planet earth. Now, I'm not here to talk about the bride of Christ because I'm a member of the bride of Christ. I'm not here to talk about the body of Christ because, you know, again, one of the things I learned is, you know, quickest way to get on somebody's bad side is talk about somebody they love. And Jesus loves us all. And I'm not here to beat any of us up. But if we're going to be honest, amen, if we're going to be honest, and honesty and truth will help set us free, right? There's a tremendous amount of dysfunction in the body of Christ today. There is a tremendous amount of ineffectiveness in the body of Christ today. There are things that we should be doing that we are not doing. And that's called dysfunction or lack of functionality. In other words, if we're not functioning as the Word of God, as Jesus said, we should be functioning. If we are not accomplishing what we should be accomplishing, if we are not seeing the works that we should be seeing, if we're not producing the fruit that we should be producing, what we call that in any other system, in any other human being individual, in any other family, in any other organization, in any other business, in any other career field, we would say that it's some form of dysfunction. Right? And so, I'm not again trying to beat us up or condemn us or shame us, but it is time for the church to be the church. It is time for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. It, the Bible says in Romans 8 that the entire planet, the entire creation is standing on its tippy toes waiting for the children of God to take their rightful place. Waiting for the body of Christ to stand up. Waiting for the church to be the church and do what God put the body of Christ and has left the body of Christ on planet earth to do and to accomplish. Amen. Now, I want you to notice again that the context here is that you are the body, 
You're an individual member of the body, but as an individual member of the body, that also makes you members with, members together, members of every other member of the body of Christ. Every other member in the body of Christ. Now, he says, verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, he's talking about the human body now, but all the members do not have the same function. I want to make sure you get this. Let me, let me kind of pause here for a moment, all right? Take a breath. Let's go back to, to help make the point, okay? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He's not telling you to think poorly of yourself. He's not telling you to think lowly of yourself. He's not telling you to think that you're unworthy. He's saying that to take it to the next level, to think that you're so good, you're so spiritual, you're so equipped, you're so gifted that you don't need other people, that's what it means to think more highly. But he's ultimately saying, think highly of yourself, just not more highly than you should, yes? When he says not all the members have the same function. Again, if you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, he's not saying that you don't have a function. He's saying actually just the opposite. That every member in the body has a function, just not the same function. This is important, right? You have a function. We are a community. Amen? A community simply defined as a group of people existing together. But that community exists together to better accomplish a common goal or interest. Right? And we see that within the community, individual needs of individual members are met by the other members in the community. In other words, the community, if it's strong and healthy, you will not just put into the community, but you will also receive from the community. Yes? Now, a group of people existing together, that's a community, but it's only made strong through communion. This is, this is when the individual members in the community share with one another. And by sharing, I don't just mean giving them a piece of your pizza, although that's one way to do it. But while you give them that piece of pizza, find out a little more about them. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Give them an opportunity to tell them a little. In other words, there's a connection there that's, that's spoken of. So the, the greater the communion, the stronger the community, and just the opposite, very little communion among the members, creates a very weak and ineffective community, or can we say it, a dysfunctional community. A dysfunctional community. Have you ever worked in an organization where there's no communication? So in order for an organization, especially a big organization, that's one of the things of all the years, and I don't even know, somebody asked me how long I've been at the foundry, and it, it's, it's been a long time. And I, I've watched the foundry grow over the years. I was trying to explain it to somebody the other day. We were sitting in an office having a meeting. And I said, sir, you're sitting where, this, where the, thrift, the foundry thrift store used to be. In this, in this little building right here. 
You know, so I mean, just to try and to give some concept of, 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 of how large it's actually become. 400. Some people call them beds. We like to call them opportunities. There's 400 opportunities there now. An almost $8 million budget. I mean, it's, 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 it's a growing ministry. And one of the challenges, you know, as, as our leader now says, we're in six zip codes. And so one of the challenges Communication. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? How do you effectively communicate? Of course, email's the easiest way, but some of the folks that started the foundry before email aren't big on email and they miss emails, right? Don't get me started on all this. Thank you, Jesus. The point I'm trying to make is in order for an organization to be functional, there has to be communication amongst the individual members of, are you, are you following what I'm saying? that community that is that organization. And if you've ever worked in a place that didn't commune very well, then you understand that the mission of that organization is greatly um, uh, you know, hindered by that ineffective communion. Amen. So the same is true among you and me. Please hear me. Not less true. It's actually more true because some business organization as important as that community's you know, goal and mission statement may be, is still not the same as the body of Christ. In other words, we're more than just a charitable organization. We're more than just a group of people who socially interact with one another, some more than others, a few times a week. The bond that connects us is something that is as deep as God Himself and the ties that unite us are what the Apostle Paul referred to as the unity of the Spirit, the bonds of peace, the bonds of God Himself that have made us one. Amen. But, listen to me please, as real and as true and as genuine and as eternal and as profound as those connections and those bonds are, without the communion to go with the community, we will be at best barely marginally effective in what we're here on this earth to do. Amen. So this word function, this word function, it's a very, very important word for us. One that I believe the Holy Spirit is emphasizing. Now, if I've preached anything over the last 20 years, I've preached the renewing of the mind. The reconditioning of the mind. To me, it's one of the most important messages that can be preached, listen to me now very carefully, to the body of Christ. Now, if someone's not born again, then renewing the mind is a good message, but it's not the one they need to hear. They need to hear the message of the gospel of the kingdom, right? They need to hear Jesus' uh, virgin birth, sinless life, death on the cross, burial, resurrection, ascension, and promise to return. Okay, that's the most important message for them. Now, once a person has been born again, one of the most important messages after that is the renewing of the mind. Because we become a new creation inwardly but our mind does not become every bit new. 
Our mind has to be renewed. It's a work in progress where, where our thinking, could we say it this way, our thinking catches up with what God has already perfected in our spirit. You see, there's a lot of people who have become new creations in Christ Jesus, but they still think like the old person they were instead of the new person they became. And because they still think like the old person, they tend to still live like the old person. Okay? Now, the context of everything I've said to you this morning is Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. To do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the context again is, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Um, you can't fulfill your purpose and destiny on planet Earth, your function, without the functionality of a healthy body of believers, um, that you are the body of Christ, individually a member and members of one another. In other words, that's the context that he's emphasizing renewing the mind to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Please renew your mind to righteousness. Please renew your mind uh, to the blessing and the prosperity that comes with that. I'm not saying that that's off limits or doesn't apply here, but if we're going to strictly look at context, the context for renewing the mind and not being conformed to the world is that we are members of one another. In other words, this is a very important truth for us to renew our minds to. I know I'm running out of time, but let me just, if I could, quickly. Some of you are so familiar with this, you've heard me say it so many times, you can finish it for me, but John the Baptist was referred to by Jesus as the greatest prophet born of a woman. Greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And his message was a simple message of repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, born of a virgin, the Word of God made flesh, living and breathing among us, speaking to us, His message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus sent out the twelve holy apostles. Their message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first 70 evangelists, Jesus sent them out, anointed them and sent them out, and He told them to preach one simple message. You got it, right? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You say, well, Pastor Mark, does God not have something else to say to us besides repent? Well, yes, He does. But until there is the gift of repentance, all the other things that He has to tell you that will help you will sail right over your head or go in one ear out the other. Now this word repent, it is a renewing of the mind word. As a matter of fact, the, the compound Greek word that is translated into our English word repent does not mean stop sinning. It's the word metanous. Meta means change, new condition of. Nous means mind. When Jesus said repent, when John the Baptist said repent, when the twelve holy apostles said repent, when the first seventy evangelists said repent, when He told me and you to go preach repent, He was saying tell people they can't keep thinking like they've always thought or they will miss out on everything that I've come to do in their lives. Something can be true about you but if your thinking never adjusts to accommodate to it, 
your reality will never change. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The day you were born again, you were delivered from death. You were delivered from sin. You were delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And you were translated. You were conveyed. You were relocated. You were plucked out of darkness and placed into God's kingdom of light and life and righteousness and holiness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost forever. It's where you are right now. Yes, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's where you are right now. You're not just in the kingdom. The kingdom is in you. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You've been given so many things by your heavenly Father that He had to give you His Holy Spirit so that you might know the things that have been given to you. But if your mind never changes, if your thinking never adjusts, if you never allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to help you change the way you've always thought about things, you will basically never experience a change in your life reality even though all of these things are true about you right now. Amen. Sister Ellen, I'm trying to remember the quote. It's on my desk that you gave me. But basically to this effect, I think you gave it to me from Pastor Bill Winston, in order to benefit from the born-again life, you must have a renewed mind. In other words, you'll never benefit practically. Now eternally, you'll make it to heaven, you'll miss hell. But practically, practically, you understand practically, right? Practically is like your bank account, it's practical. Amen? I mean, I, it's more than that, but you, you sleeping well at night because you're not so burdened down and worried and troubled about things? Practically, you'll never benefit from the born-again life apart from the renewing of your mind. Amen? That's why it's been one of the things that we have consistently preached and taught so much so for those of you who are new around here, to put Romans 12, 1 and 2 in my notes is almost like, Father, you know, really as many times, you know, I mean, I actually have a brief conversation, but I know that's the enemy trying to sway me away from it because it's so important. It's resistance and you can navigate by resistance. Amen. So something can be true about you, but if your thinking never adjusts to accommodate it, your reality will never change. Jesus came to the earth and brought His kingdom with Him. He changed everything. But one of the great tragedies of human history is that most, including His own people and even those in His own hometown, missed Him and missed out on what He came to do for them entirely. Why is that? They never allowed their thinking to adjust, right? He came to his own hometown. Mark chapter 6 says he could not, not would not, could not do any mighty miracles among them because of their unbelief. What was the thinking? The thinking, where does he get these things? The thinking was, where does he get these things? Who does he think he is? We changed your diapers, big boy. You're going to come in here trying to tell us how to live our lives. 
You grew up here. We know you. You played with our children. You drank water out of our hose pipe. I know it's a garden hose. I just like calling it a hose pipe. Right? <laughs> you and your dad built the table that my family eats dinner at every night. Notice their thinking never shifted from he's Mary and Joseph's son, or at least Mary's son, and look, kind of roll your eyes, to he's God's son. He's the anointed one. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. Because their thinking would never adjust to accommodate this truth. And in other words, let me say it another way. They would never repent. They kept thinking the way they had always thought, but you can't, keep, you can't keep thinking the way you thought before because things aren't as they were before. The king has come and he brought his kingdom with him. You can't keep thinking like you've always thought. You're not a sinner anymore. You've become the of God in Christ Jesus. You're not an outsider anymore. You've become one with God. You're not broke and busted and addicted anymore. You've been blessed. You've been made whole. You've been set free. You can't keep thinking like someone who's beat down, busted, and broke and live like someone who's been made whole, who's been blessed, and who's been set free. Even though you have been blessed, you have been made whole, and you have been set free. Amen. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me finish right here. I want you to see something. Conform to the world means the way the world does things, putting pressure on us and, and specifically in the area of the way we think so that we think like the world thinks. We talk like the world talks, then we act like the world acts. It's like you conform Play-Doh clay by putting pressure from it on the outside. So the outside pressure of the world is pushing in on you and me to conform the way we think. And this is why he's saying, do not be conformed by the world or to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now the subject is members of one another. So here's my question for you. How does the world think concerning the subject Members of one another. Stay with me now. Don't lose me. I know this is going to require a little thought here. Are you following the question? In other words, what's the world's mindset about this? Well, I can tell you. I, I mean, it'd take a long time. Let me just try to condense it down. The world's mindset is a me-first mindset. The world's mindset asks this question almost every time. What's in it for me? How can I benefit from this? How can the other people involved help me? How can I use them to get what I want and need? After all, I've got to do what's best for me. That's the way the world thinks. That's the mindset of the world. And it's very sad, but it's the mindset of a vast majority of the body of Christ. Even coming to church. I have lots of things that I'm praying over us, and one of the things is that the next 20 years together will not be defined by what's in it for me. Not coming to see what I can get out of it.
but what can I come and put into the functionality of the body of Christ? God is an eternal community existing in absolute communion. And in God, the community is more important than the individual. This is more than you ought to be nice and think of someone besides yourself every now and then. This is the insight into the inner workings of the triune God who created you and everything around you. This is deep truth. And it goes directly to how you were created and designed to live. Loving your neighbor as yourself and treating others as you would like to be treated are more than high ideals we should aspire to that would make the world a better place. These are truth principles congruent with the way you were hardwired by your Creator. On the surface, these things seem so opposed to the way we should live, and it is interesting how many excuses people can come up with uh, not to follow Jesus' instructions, to turn the other cheek, to pray for those who... um, hurt us and and, and bless those who curse us and give to those who even would take from us. But this is a perfect example of how our minds have been conformed by this world to think opposite to the way God created us. Amen. Singers and musicians, if you would please come. What did I just say there? Everything Father has ever said to you has been with your best interest in mind. Any resistance in us, it's in us, it's in me. I'm not, I'm not just sitting pointing fingers, but just hear me, please. Any, any resistance in us to treating others the way we would want to be treated, loving our neighbor as ourselves, preferring others before ourselves, being our brother's and sister's keeper, not just looking after our own interests, but looking after the interests of others. You see, this, this is the way God thinks about these things, not how the world thinks. And any excuse that we would try to make for not being committed to our brother and sister and their success is simply revealing to you and me how the world has influenced our thinking where these things are concerned. Let's go back to where we began this morning. Very easy to try to look at this and see how well you may be doing where it's concerned. Thank you for that. How about stepping back and saying, Instead of patting myself on the back for doing such a good job, where can I improve where this is concerned? Where am I missing it? What could I do more of to contribute to the betterment of the whole? Are you with me? Yes? Stand with me, please. Thank you. Oh, Father, you're good to us. And we love you this morning. And we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving everything that you've given, Lord, so that we could stand here today and be one with you, but also, Father, to be one with one another. Father, help us to realize that we need to understand who we are in relationship to who you are, but we also, Father, then need to understand who we are in relationship to who all these other people in this room are. Because, Father, to any less than that is to think higher of ourselves than we ought to think. Father, thank you that 
coming to church is not just something that we have to do, it's something that we get to do. But Lord, it's even more than that. It's, it's, it's woven into us, Father, to, to connect with and commune with other members of this all-important community that you have brought us into and made us a part of. Every person in this room, Father, has a function. We don't all have the same function, but we all have a function. And Father, help us all function as you created us to function within the body of Christ so that as a body, we can move to greater and greater functionality and greater and greater effectiveness in the things that you've raised us up to accomplish. Father, I thank you that you're teaching us what our supply is and how to bring our supply and offer it, not just to you, Father, but to the community. And I thank you, Lord, that we're growing both numerically, but also, Father, we are growing in maturity. Father, I thank you for every person in this room right now. And should there be one, Lord, that doesn't know you, I thank you for drawing them to yourself. Drawing them to yourself. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just rather quickly. I mean, I mentioned it a moment ago. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross not because of any sin that he committed or any wrong that he had done. He lived a sinless life, but he became your sin on the cross. He became your sin on the cross so that you could be set free from sin and the condemnation of it. They took his dead body off that cross, pierced through, not just with Roman nails, not just with a crown of thorns, but with a huge spearhead that went underneath his ribs, through his lungs, and punctured the sack around his heart. The medical historical record records that when that soldier withdrew that spear from Jesus' side, that both blood and water flowed from that sack. He was dead. They took him off that cross. They laid him in a borrowed tomb and sealed it with a Roman seal. But no government, no authority on earth could hold him in the grave. After three days, he came back to life again. After 40 days being seen by many witnesses, he ascended back to the right hand of his father. But before he left, he taught concerning the kingdom. And the last message we were given upon his departure was that he would also return. He's coming again. So Pastor Mark, do you believe that? I don't just believe it, I am it. I didn't make this up. This made me who and what I am today. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior... This is your morning. He's reaching out to you. He's reaching out to you. This is not about joining a church. This is not about moving a letter. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to relocate you from the kingdoms of darkness and death into the kingdoms of light and life. Just curious this morning, if you hear you say, Pastor Mark, I've never received Jesus for myself or what He's done for me for myself, but today's my day. Could I see your hand? Pastor, I'd like to receive this elaborate, extravagant gift of the Lord's salvation this morning. Anybody? Anybody in the room? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's sing together before we're dismissed. And these altars are open. They're always open. I mean, they're open on Tuesday. Amen, if you need to come and pray. But especially at the conclusion of a service. If you'd like someone to pray with you, please don't, don't be in such a rush right now. Listen to me, I'm not, I'm not bashing watching television. I have a television in my home and watch TV, but 
man, we can sit and this new thing called binge watching, you know, we can sit and watch television for hours and hours and hours, but, you know, it's like, man, we got to get out of here. We got to, you know, just give the Holy Spirit a moment to work in your life. And, and if you need prayer, then, amen, there's folks here that can agree with you, other members of the same body you're a member of. That healing can flow from them into you and you into them. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's worship the Lord for a moment and then we'll be dismissed until this evening. Praise God.